Thank you, JT. What a tremendous truth. This song has some wonderful words that just portray a great image in your mind, doesn't it? Uh, to anticipate that great day ahead. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Hope you've had a good week. A little bit of a different week with um, Monday being a, a holiday of sorts and a special day of celebration. And good to see some of you back. Maybe you were out of town last week. As you heard, Pastor Paul is uh, out of town, out of state, actually, and uh, on, uh, enjoy, enjoying a special trip with uh, Karen and some family members. And uh, Pastor Nick is uh, at home today. He was uh, having vacation this week, right, right up to the point where um, his daughter broke her foot. And uh, so the, his plans changed. And uh, so uh, both men are away today. We look forward to seeing everybody back next week. Let me ask you to do something, if you will. And um, I want you to think about your list of loves. JT's going to play. I ask you, I said, JT, I need these folks to think for a moment. And silence scares us, doesn't it? So I asked JT for a moment. We'll give you a minute. Think of the five, seven things, people. What would your list of loves look like? I'll give you a moment to think about that. That's great, JT. Thank you so much. I'm afraid to go much further. Some of you will have to be woken up if we do. What'd you come up with? I could probably, I could probably guess a few things, especially among a church congregation. You know, there's a few standards. I'll not venture down that list. Think to yourself, your list of loves. Review this list in your mind. Don't raise your hand. Don't answer out. But let me ask you, was church on your list. Well, you said, well, you know, God, I, I love God, I love Christ. It's, it's somewhere in there. I'm thinking of the church particularly today. When asked about church, you may say, yes, I go to church. You might be bold enough to say, I go to Gospel Baptist Church. My family, my, my children, we all go to church. I got married at a church. I'm on a committee or a board at the church. I, even I occasionally teach a class. Well, I went on a missions trip. I worship there. I tithe there. I pray there. I have friends there. Church. It would seem somewhat interesting that with all those connections that you might would say you have to church, the church wouldn't be in your love list, though. So if it's not on your love list, where is it? What list is it on? Is it on your like list? 
I like church. Man, it ranks right up there with strawberry shortcake in my opinion, right? Maybe church is on your tolerate list. I go and I have to, or maybe on special days. It's somewhat like the dentist. I go twice a year if I, whether I want to or not. That's your tolerant, tolerate list. I tolerate church. If church is on your I don't care list, then I assume you're not here. When we look at the scriptures, there's much to say about the church. Today I want to rest a few moments in Ephesians chapter 5 when we get there in just a moment. So if you want to go ahead and turn, turn or tap to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be there in just a moment. I want to mention also last week's, uh, last week had some folks ask about, I read the oath of a soldier of the cross. And several people ask about that after the service. So it's on this week's on the back of the weekly connect. If you're not sure what that's about or you read it and go, well, that's, that sounds interesting, then go back and watch last Sunday's service. You'll see the, the uh, connotation for that. But it is there if you're interested. And several people were asking last week about it. We're going to spend our time in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 in just a moment, but I want to lead up to that. We're thinking about the church today. Matthew's gospel records for us in verse, six, uh, verse 18 of chapter 16. Jesus speaking here says, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What a tremendous prophecy that was. What a tremendous truth that became, and what a tremendous reality today we need to recognize the church, of course, is not built upon Peter, as some would falsely teach. It is built upon Jesus Christ, the cornerstone himself. The rock he speaks of here is himself, that boulder of immovable capacity that is the church. We'll look ahead in the scriptures in the New Testament. Acts chapter 2 tells us about that event of Pentecost. Praising God. This is the day when the church is, we say, born instituted, praising God as the Lord had been moving there on that tremendous day of events in Jerusalem and Peter's preaching. It says that the people were, had been praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And thousands were added to the church. What began there on that day, in that place, at that time, has marched through history. Here we are today, still talking about the church. You're in Ephesians chapter 5. Go to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I skipped a couple of slides here. Here we go. Husbands, love your wives. If you look this verse up in most any commentary or look it up online, you're going to find 99% of the time this verse focuses on husbands. It's in the, and rightfully so, it's in the context of the family, the husband-wife relationship. This is a tremendous truth, and there's certainly many things that can be taught to husbands. We need all the teaching we can get sometimes about loving our wives. But today I want to focus on the second part of this, that tells us Christ also loved the church. 
And indeed, husbands are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church sacrificially, selfless, uh, selflessly. We love the church in the same mindset or the mode of the way Christ loved the church. Christ sanctified himself for the church. Christ gave himself to make her holy, having cleansed her through his word to make her, her a glorious church. She is to be free from spots the wrinkle, uh, and wrinkles, the scripture tells us. She is to be free from any type of disfigurement. It is indeed Christ's intent to make a church that is holy and blameless. And so today, in a few moments before us, I want to take some time as we gather around God's word to look at the reality that Christ also loved the church. Something to think about. And I trust it will give us much to ponder as we move forward. Let's pray, though, as we begin. Dear Father, we come today before you to acknowledge that indeed, as JT has reminded us in this great song, you are our Lord, our Savior, our King. Today we bow before you. We acknowledge that you are the ruler of the universe, the creator of all that is. You are the, the provider of salvation and the sustainer of our lives. And apart from you, we have nothing, absolutely nothing, to pride ourselves in. We can only rejoice in your grace. And I pray today as we take a moment to turn our hearts toward the church, I pray that you will allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to draw us to the reality of what the Scripture teaches, and to make of our church, our congregation, a church that reflects you to the community around us for the impact that we can have so that others may come to know Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Christ also loved the church. The scripture has much to say about God and his love, Christ and his love. We think, of course, of John three sixteen. God so loved the world. Galatians chapter 2, the apostle Paul will say there that the Son of God loved me, something each of us could say. Ephesians, a little earlier in chapter verse 2, it says Christ has loved us. Similarly, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul would write there, Jesus Christ has loved us. Indeed, there's much to talk about when it comes to God's love. In Revelation chapter 1, it makes reference to Jesus Christ unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. The Bible has much to say about God's love, but let us today ponder the reality that Christ loved the church. The topic of the church is an important topic for us to understand as Christians. As followers of Christ ourselves, if, if he puts so much emphasis on the church, then we do ourselves well to put a similar interest on the church. And to understand it correctly, the Bible has much to say about the church. It speaks of its function, its organization, its purpose, and its mission. It instructs us that Christ loved the church. And we need today to focus our attention on that so that it may help us to love the church. We too need to know about the church. We need to know about its function and its organization, its purpose and its mission. And it's obvious that the apostles 
And the writers of the New Testament all love the church. How many of those New Testament letters are written to churches, to a congregation of people? Many of them. But I submit to you today, we need to refocus our attention on the truth about the church. Because there is much confusion. There's even deception about what the church is and what it should do. And, and we should not be of that mindset. We should know with clarity and with crystal clear vision what the church's purpose is and what our, our part in it is intended to be. So today, let's all turn our minds to this great topic. Let's see what we should know about the church in order to clear away the confusion and to stand strong against the deception that would otherwise mar our understanding of the church. In theology proper, this would be called ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. And there's lots of layers to it. Lots of detail. We can't and don't intend to spend the time there to do that. It's a, it's a topic that's worthy of many sermons. It's a big topic. So today, a simple outline will do. In two parts, hopefully to help us clear away some of the confusion about the church. To make sure we're on solid ground in the way we view the church and understand its purpose in our lives. Let's start with this first. Let's talk about what a church is not. Sometimes the best way to understand what something is is to understand what it's not. So I'm going to give you three parts to this. Very simple. The church is not a store, a consumer store, or a convenience store. It's not a restaurant. It's not a shop by the wayside. You see, in those settings, a small group of people serve a large group of people. Right? Go to the restaurant. There's more customers than there are waitresses. Go to the store. There's more customers than there are checkout people. It's always the case. In a consumer setting, a few people seek to serve a lot of people. But this is not the case of the church. It is not the case that the church has a few staff members serving hundreds of people. We are not here to serve you. Biblically speaking, we are here to serve each other. We all have a role in this. Service doesn't rest upon the shoulders of those who have some title within the church, or the director, the leader, the pastor, the deacon, the elder, the trustee, whoever it is. Service does not rest upon that small group to serve the greater group. The role of service, which I'll spend a little more time with later, rests upon everyone's shoulders. The consumer mentality distorts and perverts the church's purpose. It makes me the center of the church. We think only about what the church can do for us, our family, or our future. It causes the conversation to be dominated by things we like or don't like. The consumer mindset makes church one of the choices for Sunday. Well, let's see, it's a church or the day at the lake. It's church or the golf course. It's church or just stay at home. The consumer mindset diminishes the purpose of the church. It causes us to Think about church like we do the grocery store. 
I'll go if I have time. I'll go if I feel like it. I'll go if there's something that I really need. Consumers of church come with the idea of offerings that come off a menu. Indeed, they walk in the door thinking, I'll get a double burger of grace and a side order of forgiveness. Oh, and supersize it. Deep inside, the consumers wish the church had a drive through so they wouldn't even have to come inside. They come seeking not what they need, but what they want. After all, life should be a buffet line. Therefore, church should be a buffet line. It's never about giving of themselves, but only about getting. I don't know about you, but I've never walked into a store and left anything there but money. They've never asked me to paint a wall, sweep a floor, stack a shelf. And if they did, I'd probably go, well, thanks, but no thanks. Let me get my stuff and I'll go. Y'all take care of it. That consumer mindset challenges the purpose of the church. People of such a mindset will walk out of the church using the same words they will when leaving a restaurant. Uh, the service was kind of slow. No one really smiled at me. It was okay, but it might be a while before I come back. That's the consumer mindset. And we have to guard specifically against putting ourselves in that mindset. I hope you're not here today as a consumer of the church. And if you are, I hope you'll see the childish folly that's wrapped up in that mindset. Church is not a consumer store, convenience store. Just to grab what we need when I got time and when I have a need, I'm low on something, let me go and get a little encouragement from the pastor. I'll see you next time I need something. That's not the church, is it? Church is not a community center. A place to host a group and family events. What's oh, a safe place for children in an after-school program or for the families to host their reunions or birthdays or anniversaries? That's oh, a good place. Hey, we got a gym. Let's have a basketball game. Let's pick up a, some friends and go enjoy some time there. Hey, that's a great place for a wedding, and they won't charge us much. Oh, yes, we do those events. Our church hosts those events. But these are in no way our primary purpose. No way. These are only a means to the ends of engaging the community so that we can get to them the gospel message. We open up our doors to lots of community groups, oftentimes more than we can accommodate. But we're not here to serve as a community center. We want to introduce the community to us so that we can introduce them to Christ. Simple outline. Three points in this first part. The third one. The church is not a country club. Here's my definition of a country club. A place with nice buildings that serves nice food, with nice people who drive nice cars, live in nice houses, wear nice clothes. A country club hosts nice events for nice reasons. 
They plan nice trips to nice places during the nice, during the nice times of the year so people can do nice things. When these people are asked about what they think of church, they say, it's nice. That's enough nice to inflect a gag reflex. That's not the purpose of church. We hope things are nice. I promise you, people work hard here to make sure everything's clean. The restrooms are clean. I hope we do a better job than 7-Eleven does. But the lobby's clean. The furniture's been dusted. Everything's in proper place. This place gets an inspection more than once a week because somebody commits themselves to making it nice. We hope the people are nice. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, y'all are nice. We've been blessed with a, a nice and even a better than nice facility. It is of the Lord, and we are thankful for that. But we are not a country club. In the country club mindset, people will say, well, church is a place I can network. My business will grow. I can expand my exposure. I can even look respectable by going to that church. Again, gag reflex. You're missing the point of church terribly. If any three of these come into your perspective of the reason why a church exists, and even more importantly, a reason why you're involved with a church, these all three are very poor substitutes for the purpose of the church. They are shallow, misguided, and just flat-out wrong. To see a church in any of these ways would be a deceptive thought. It's the worst way to think about what church is. But I'm afraid these have crept into the mindset of many. So therefore, church is not necessary. It's not such a big deal. I don't like that one. I'll go to this one. Why? Well, it's a little more convenient. Uh, Seats are more comfortable. The service time's a little more accommodating my schedule. I've got all kinds of reasons. But none of them based upon the Bible. None of them based upon truth. None of them based upon God's view of the purpose of a church. Christ loved the church. So I bet you can guess what the second part of this outline is. If a true church is not these things, we need to talk about what a true church is. A true church is centered on biblical truth. The Bible is the standard of truth. The all-sufficient, inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. It is not subject to human opinions, cultural trends, or political movements. To a Bible-centered congregation, there are certain essentials that are all biblically based. It means something to us to say in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It means something to us when the scripture says, thus saith the Lord. It means something to us that the biblical meaning of marriage is well defined and so is the biblical identity of gender. The Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount, the Golden Rule, the Greatest Commandment, the Thou Shalt's and the Thou Shalt Not's mean something 
to a Bible-centered congregation. John 3.16 means something. The person of Jesus Christ, not just as a historical figure, but as the eternal second person of the Trinity, his virgin birth, his miracles, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the end-time prophecies, and the reality of two eternal states mean something to us. Truth and reality matters. And biblical truth is, is the foundation of all other truth. And it's the lens through which we understand the realities of life and the world around us. A true church is centered on biblical truth. That's why for this church, preaching, teaching, study groups, children's ministries, teen ministries, adult ministries are all Bible-centered. Could be mentioned in the announcements. Tonight we start back our Bible study fellowship groups for the evening. The month of May had so many things, we just kind of took the month off from those, but we start back tonight. Two groups met this morning. There's a reason why we have those, and I can promise you every one of them is Bible-centered. If you have a look back to Ephesians 4, 16, it says that we are a body fitly joined together. Fitly joined together. Every system and organ in our body, our physical bodies, is fitly joined together. It has a purpose. It has a place. It has a work to do. And our life depends on the capacity of our body to do those normal day-to-day -day functions what the medical field will call homeostasis. The church is much like this. We are fitly joined together. There's a place for each of us. We're not just random occupants of a pew for an hour on Sunday morning. Our calling is to serve, to serve Christ as we serve one another, as we serve those around us. As Christians, we are never more like Christ. You know, back a few years ago, there was this what would Jesus do movement. We are never more like Christ than when we serve. Mark 10, 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. In the upper room recorded for us in the Gospels, after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he said to them, I have done this for you, that you may do it for uh, each other. That's the type of service we should seek to exist. In the New Testament sense, the church is a people. It's not an it, it's an us. And each of us have a place, the us being the born again ones who were once dead in trespasses and sins, but having heard the gospel, repented of our sinful life, accepted God's gift of salvation, and received the new birth by grace and through faith in Jesus Christ. We have publicly professed Christ as personal Lord and Savior, been baptized, and have publicly submitted ourselves for membership in a church. That's the us of the church. The church is a place where members strive together to learn, to love, and to live out the gospel. Committed to growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord as we seek to evangelize the lost. 
There's a good news to tell. Evangelizing the lost and passing the torch of truth to the next generation. I said it last week and I say it again this week. Let us never lose the reality of passing that torch to the next generation. The members of a church are those who have answered the same call, confessed the same gospel, proclaimed the same faith, have been sealed by the same promise, follow the same Lord, live under the same banner of truth, and are driven by the same great commission. In short, I'll catch up with myself here in a minute. In short, we are gospelized. We do these things seeking to be a church emphasizing what God emphasizes. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that God would have all to be saved and be brought into the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Our intent in being a church that seeks to serve and a church committed to missions is a reality of what a healthy church should be doing. Committed to serve, committed to missions. There's a reason why our church supports financially and prayerfully probably some 80 different missions organizations and families and individuals around the world. Go look at that map out there. If you're relatively new to our church and haven't meandered down the hall there as you go out to the left, take a look at that map. And even that map does not cover every one of our missions that we support. It is important for us to support those who are doing God's bidding and God's work. For where the gospel grows, I'm sorry, where the gospel goes, the church grows. And we want to see that continued growth of the church. We want to see our church continue to grow. We want to see reach a community with the truth of God's word. It's not going to happen because we have Three, three on our pastoral staff. It's not going to happen because we have 10 on our, on our church staff, our ministry staff. It's going to happen because every person sees their place in the church as a place of importance, a place of service, a place to do as Christ did, love the church. Indeed, we've been gospelized. And here at Gospel Baptist Church, could there be a better word to describe us? Gospelized. As a gospelized congregation, let us unite in the work of our church. Let's unite with others in a love for God, a love that will drive us to evangelize, to serve, to find our place in ministries that are needing help. And you'll see it through our weekly connect ever so often. We, this ministry needs some help. Go see so-and-so. Go sign up here. Let us be united in that work of the local church and find our place of service. Let us march ahead boldly to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is able to save the lost and redeem the sinner and see our church fulfill its God-ordained mission. 
For indeed, Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, I have little expectation that the doors at the schoolhouse will stop us either. Are the doors to the families of our communities. Yes, we can find a way to infiltrate this community with the gospel. Our goal is not to be a perfect church. And let that not be our intent, because we'll never be a perfect church. But our goal is rightly to be a healthy church, a biblically-based healthy church, a healthy church is not a measure just of programs or schedules or events. A healthy church is a measure of you and of me. If you're a healthy Christian, spiritually speaking, then what happens to us as a congregation? We become healthy. We function well together. A healthy body is evidenced by healthy systems, healthy organs, healthy tissues, healthy cells. A healthy church is evidenced by healthy programs, engaging spiritually healthy people who have a goal in mind of serving and of reaching. May we be such a healthy congregation. May we be what the Lord has called us to be, salt to seeking hearts. You know that passage in Matthew chapter 5? Salt and light. Let us be light in a dark place. We need to think seriously about the church. It's not a passing recreational activity. It's not just a come-on-Sunday event. It has a purpose that permeates what we do every day of our lives. The church exists for the purpose of fulfilling the gospel, training up a generation into the truth and knowledge of Christ, encouraging and engaging believers during the challenges that life brings to all of us. Let us consider well and let us consider seriously how much we love the church. For indeed, Christ himself loved the church and gave himself for her. Can we do less? It seems only natural that we too should love the church and give ourselves for her that the gospel might be clearly proclaimed to impact hearts and homes and lives. What's the option? Oh, just to sit back and think it really doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll curse the things that are the darkness of our culture, but it's bigger than I can handle. That's the option. I would prefer to be found engaging the gospel with the culture seeing how we can demonstrate to a world that's lost what it is to be a follower of Christ. Not in name only, not in church attendance only, but in hands-on activity to say, where can I serve? 
And then let's watch God do the work. And let's rejoice in seeing him use us for the purpose of the church. Again, I say from Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Let us be equally up to that same challenge to give ourselves in service to the church, to this church, as we seek to fulfill God's mission and call upon us. Let us know what a church is not, and let us know what a church is so that we can have clarity and understanding and not be confused or deceived as the culture wants to paint what a church should be. I'll ask you to bow your heads there this morning. Our time in God's Word, enough, sufficient to give us a reminder of how important it is that we see God's view of what the church is about. As we gather from Sunday to Sunday, from week to week, from event to event, may it not be out of routine, but out of righteous love. May it not be out of simple obligation, but out of overwhelming love. As we gather as a church congregation, may it indeed be for the purpose of service and opportunities to put our skills, our gifts, our, our abilities into action for Christ who loved the church and gave himself for it. What today is your prayer before the Lord in this moment of silence? Maybe you're here today and you're unable to say with confidence that you're a born-again one. So I ask you again what the Scripture will ask. Are you dead in your trespasses and sin? Do you sense God pulling drawing you unto himself, unto Christ Jesus? Are you willing to repent of your sinful life? Are you willing to accept God's gift of salvation through grace, by faith? Is that your need today? Then that prayer can be lifted up before the Lord just as a, a prayer of confession, repentance, a prayer of acceptance. to be a born-again child of God, to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What about others today that are here? You would say, yes, I'm, I'm confident in my spiritual life. Where are you with the church? Could it be said of you? You love the church? Willing to give yourself for it? Would there be enough evidence in a courtroom to convict you of that? Or is the best you can say, well, I, I come most Sundays. Let me encourage you, find a place. There is a place. There's a place for each one to serve. We are fitly joined together. May we each seek to find that place. And seek the Lord's direction in it. What is your prayer today? Father, help us. 
Help us to see ourselves clearly and to understand where we are. Help us to see the role of the church and our place in it. I pray that you will help us to be fitly joined together, properly, purposefully, powerfully joined that we may see your good work done through this congregation, that we can continue as never before to take the gospel around the corner, around the community, and around the world. And I pray as we come today, we'll be honest before you, and may you be honored through what we accomplish as we move forward as a congregation to serve you in the time that you allow us here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless the reading of his word and our time today in it. I ask you to stand, if you will. JT is going to lead us as we end our time today singing of that cleansing fountain. The altar is open.